So this morning, I just want to pray. I want to believe that God wants to speak to us this morning. I know people are traveling for Thanksgiving, and, and I, I know I've, I've got texts from people, hey, Pastor, I'm not going to be there because of this or that, and they're traveling with family. But we're just glad you're here this morning. Why don't you give a hand for yourself? You know, we've been talking about margin. Last week we talked about having relationship with God, leaving margin for God. This morning we're going to talk about margin. We're going to talk about relational margin or relational dashboard and what that really looks like. And so let's just pray. Father, I thank you for the great opportunity that we have today for you to come and to speak to us. Lord, I just thank you. You said if you be lifted up, if you're lifted up, that you draw all men and women to yourself. And so this morning, God, draw us to yourself. Draw us this morning to yourself. In Jesus' name. We'll go ahead and dismiss our children to our children's church. Come on, give it up for them as they leave. Um, just to let you know, uh, for our legacy offering, uh, we've, we've uh, finally broken $30,000. Come on, someone ought to give the Lord a hand clap for that. And... Uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be unveiling a bunch of things and letting you know where that, that money has gone and where it's going. In fact, some of that money is going to our outreach and helping families in our church. Also, it's helping uh, there in Eunice as well and, and what we're wanting to accomplish there. So just welcome to our third week of margin. And, uh, you know, in our society, you know, how many you know we try to maximize everything? Everything. I mean, I remember I was eating the other day with my wife, and it's like when I was a kid, you know, when you got like a, uh, a small fry, uh, no, a medium fry is what a large fry used to be like. And a cup that is like a medium is used to be like the mega big cup. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so in America, we like to maximize everything. You know, 7-Eleven has the big gulp. You know, you can't just, I mean, I, I look at people that have to carry, walk around carrying those big old cups. I think, man, you need like a porta potty following you on wheels or something if you drink all that, you know. And so we try to maximize everything. We, we push the limits as far as possible. We, we experience activity overload. I know people that are just so filled with activity, they have activity overload. I'm talking about. Not only do they have activity overload, but they have debt overload. You know, I see, you know, you know that, 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 that commercial you used to have, that guy driving the tractor, and he goes, you know, he's owing all this, and he goes, well, someone help me. <laughs> he's just like, he's miserable. He's just like, I, you know, he's, he's, he's on debt overload. And then sometimes, you know, we get on information overload. You pull this out and go, hold on. You, I mean, you act like you're Einstein. And, and, and it's like, and, and then sometimes we get on what I call work overload. So there's that activity overload, there's choice overload, I and mean, there's so many choices today. How many are you talking about? I mean, how many, I'm a hunter, if you go, you can't just buy a duck call anymore. They got like cabinets filled with different duck calls. When I was a kid, you used to get a fox cane duck call. Or that's when Duck Commander came out, just the wooden one, okay? And it said patent pending. That was, I mean, there weren't that many duck calls, goose calls. Now you can buy like a, a $20 one up to a $400 one. I mean, that, that comes with the, the cart to carry it and everything else. I don't know. But, but it, it, it's like we have choice overload. You can't, look, you can't just buy a pair of blue jeans. There's so many choices. Come on, ladies. You can't, I mean, you can walk into Walmart. I mean, they, you just like. They were, the guys were talking about the herd, cans of corn. That's stupid, all right? You go get the real corn. Anyway, just, but they're city guys. They don't know. Anyway, I can't help my son. I mean, I tried, but anyway, just. But, but the thing is, is it, you know, and it's like so many different choices of what there is and what there is. And consider these statistics. I got some statistics. 78% of people regularly experience physical symptoms caused by stress. 48% of people lie awake at night due to stress. One out of three U.S. employees feel that they are chronically overworked. We spend, this is why we spend eight months in our lives opening emails. In two years of our lives playing phone tag with people that are just too busy to get in touch with you. 
You know, we're so chronically rushed. How many are talking about? We're chronically late, even those that came in late this morning. You're chronically late. Can I just preach? And I'll stop. Anyways, you're chronically exhausted. Yeah, you ever have to see people? You go, hey, how you doing? I'm tired, man. I'm just, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Man, I, I'm just, I'm tired. Well, what you been doing? I don't know. I'm tired. Just tired. Stress kills. How many of you know stress can kill a marriage? Stress kills families. And if you don't, if it doesn't kill you, it'll eventually kill you. And you see, WebMD says that 75 to 90% of all doctor office visits are for stress-related ailments and complaints. I was hunting with a guy, good, good guy this week, and we were in the blind, and he was telling me he has to back off of some stuff just because he went to the doctor, and he went and looked at him. He says, you know, really what your problem is, you got stress. You just got a lot of stress. You need to back off a little bit. You, you're carrying too much weight. You see, the new ma- mantra uh, uh, of our culture is if you're not stressed, you're not working hard enough. In other words, stress may be considered the new normal, but it doesn't have to be that way. How many of you I'm talking about? Listen, margin, let me just, what we shared, this is what we've shared. Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. It's for, between what you have and what you need. Margin is not having to rush out of the house all the time. Oh, I got to go. <gasps> it's not having to rush out of the house all the time. Margin would be having enough time to rest, relax, and reflect. Margin is having more money than bills. Anybody want to say amen to that one? Let's look at what the theme verse is, and it's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, like those, like those, but but like those who are wise. And when it says not like fools, you ever seen a, a dog chasing his own tail? Just going around, you know, just go, going around in circles. And go, what? And we laugh at it, but it, it's foolish, but that's how we look. That's what it's comparing to. It's going around in circles. And it says this, make, verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. In other words, when you look up that Greek word, opportunity, really what it means, it means toward the port. It means it's like a ship taking advantage of the wind or, or the tide to get into port safely. It's taking every opportunity it says, to make the most of every in these evil days, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you, wants to do, wants you to do. You only tell someone to be careful when you know there's something close that could hurt them. Be careful. A couple of months ago, my sons were, Nathan and Zach were, um, and Luke, I'd taken them dove hunting in one of my friend's house, uh, places in Lacassine. And Nathan was kind of around this, he was kind of around in this, this area, and there was some tall grass, and he heard something going. <laughs> and he thought it was like a water leak. Like maybe there was a, a pipe, and it had like a leak, and it was. <laughs> and so he gets in there, and he's like, he looks around, and all of a sudden, he, op- he pushes some grass away, and he goes, Oh, he goes, oh, frick. And he's going, Zach, Zach, come here, come here. And he's like, it, it's, and he goes, what? And he goes, oh, and he goes, oh, it's an alligator. He's in a culvert, and it's dry, and he's just going. <laughs> they thought it was water leaking somewhere. Then the rest of the hunt, by that time, Nathan had got Luke, and he was convincing Luke to stand in front of the alligator So the alligator would come out and he was going to jump on it. That's the description of a fool. But he wasn't too fool. He put his little brother in the front. Hey, he won't get you, Luke, I promise. He doesn't know what the heck he's doing. His mother wasn't around. But here it is. Foolish living is filling our lives with things that don't matter. 
It's like, like I shared last week, it's like driving a car that's out of alignment. The car just naturally pulls to one side. And when it pulls to one side, if you don't constantly, you know, fight it, it'll pull you and take you off the road. I have a friend that he was going to Venice one day on a job. His name was Randy Scranton, one of my best friends. And he'd gone out drinking a little too much. And his car was, his truck was out of alignment. He knew that. And on his way, on that long stretch around the canals on the edges, his car just veered off and he drowned because his truck was out of alignment. Sometimes it's our lives. You know, we, you know we're sinners. We all, uh, and the pool is always away from God. It's toward the margin Less culture. I don't want to be like everyone. You know, I, I, want, I want what the Boudreaux's have. I want what the Thibodeau's have. I want, you know what I'm saying? We need intimate and consistent time realigning our hearts to God. See, this week I want to talk to you about have a marg- how, how about a marginless living affects our relationships. You know, if, you're, if we're all honest, when margin dis- decreases, stress increases. How many are you talking about? Most of the time, it's seen in our relationships when we're in stress. You know, it's like the relationships thrive and grow when we live in margin. When we make the space, relationships are destroyed when margin dis- decreases. Trying to get someone... Uh, at a, you know, it's, like, it's kind of like this. Trying to get your whole family at a certain place at a certain time, and you're leaving the house late, and not everybody's fully dressed, and by the time you get in the car, you're mad. I, I mean, you're mad at every, all of them, but you're the one that calls the late. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You're mad at them, and they're all mad at you. This happens when we don't live a, mar- a life of margin. It's like, I know how it is. Come in the church. I used to bring my children before I was a pastor to church, and sometimes they just don't want to cooperate. How many are you talking about? When I see Zach standing up here and playing the guitar when he was a little boy, I used to have to spank him to go to Sunday school. For I mean, it was like I mean, every he knew, he was like, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And I'm like, son, let's go. And then he would start crying. Is that true, Zach? And and I mean, I have to take him to the bathroom. And the most, the, the most filthy thing you can ever feel is want to spank your child in the church bathroom. You know what I mean? And I remember, you're going. I don't want to go. You're going. I don't want to go. You're going. Sometimes we just live a marginless life. And we try to get everything the way it needs to, all the ducks in a row. And sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I in the right place? You know, kind of reminds me of the guy with his wife, and she's there at breakfast one morning. He goes, hey, she goes, baby, if I die before you, do you think you'll ever get married again? He looks at it and goes, sure I do. Yeah, I'm going to get married. You mean you would bring whoever you marry to our house? He goes, "Well, well, yeah, I'd bring them to the house. I mean, you would let them sleep in our bed? Your new wife would sleep in our bed? He goes, yeah, we'd sleep in the bed. It'd be our house and be our bed, and we'd sleep like that. He goes, well, you would give her my golf clubs? And he goes, no, she'd be left-handed. Anyway. <laughs> He's already, y'all don't get it. Anyway, just. Our life. Is, give it here, Andrew. Bring it up, man of God. Our life, like I shared last week, is like a bucket. The bucket represents what people think, our friends, people at work. They think who we, this is who we are, the outside of the bucket. This bucket represents you and I. But you know what? You know, I, I just believe this. It's the outside of the bucket. It's the exterior relationships. It's those the people at work, friends and your neighbors. And like I talked about last week, inside of the bucket is really 
the interior relationship. Those are the people that are closest to you, like your wife, your children. And many times, we live our lives on the exterior. And what the people that are closest to us, when we live a marginless life, they see all the junk that's inside of us. See, I believe there's two types of relationships you have in your life. Number one, life-giving relationships. Life-giving. When Jesus left the multitude, he would spend time with the disciples. He enjoyed and loved being with these guys. Yesterday, I had a friend of mine. He's traveled all over the world, and he's worked in missionary. I took him hunting with me yesterday. And Yesterday, he goes, oh, Bubba, by the way, I got you something. And I wanted to bring it because I have a point. He made, this is ostrich skin. Okay? And he makes knives, custom knives. This is like a $400 knife. Okay? But I started thinking about this knife. And what real friends do, they help you become sharp. Because the Bible says, as another man sharpens another. You know, it's like we should sharpen one another. As men, our relationship should sharpen. I'm not going to, I'll be careful, I'll cut myself anyway. But I started thinking about that. They give me an edge to cut through things that would be more difficult. My wife encourages me to be able to cut through things sometimes and see things in the right perspective. How many are you thankful for the, the incredible things? And, and the cool thing is this one. We were eating breakfast here, and he has my name. It says Bubba on the back. And, I, and, and, and his sons were there, and he goes, I go, he goes, Bubba, that's the only one I've ever made like that. And I go, so I got the Bubba special? He said, you sure did. So I, I said, I'm going to name it the Bubba Special Knife. And so here it is. It'll get, it'll get used. But it's, it's, it, it's all about our lives should be sharpened. You know, I believe this is in the hand of a real friend. A friend can tell you the rough edges in your life. Your wife, men, it's kind of like that guy. I heard that he was the, 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 the chief in the village. He goes, all right, man. He says, he was scared that all, his, all, the, all the, 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 the warriors were becoming too soft. And he called them all into his tent. And he said, guys, I'm getting really concerned. He said, what is going on? You guys aren't being men. I need to find out. Anybody that goes out the left door, your wife has become the boss in your home. Anybody stays and you go out the right door, then you're still in charge. And he looked at all his wicked, all right, warriors, I want to ask you one thing. Are your wives in charge? And if they are, go to the left. And everybody went to the left except one man. His name was Lone Wolf. And he looks at Lone Wolf, he goes, and so he calls all the other men around. He said, you see? We still have one man, one that is the boss of his family. He says, Lone Wolf, please give us the wisdom that you have to help us to become men in our home, in our teepee. What is your secret? My wife said before I left today, don't follow the crowd, whatever I do. And that's my wisdom. You know, for most of us, you need life. Listen, if you don't have a life-giving relationship, it's hard to be sharp. It's hard to have an edge in your life. When you sharpen the axe, I mean, it'll cut. Listen, God's greatest desire is it. How many want to be sharp in the Lord? Come on. Then you need life-giving relationships. I was talking to my cousin this week, and I, I'm, I'm going to use a duck, uh, 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 illustrate we're duck hunting in, in, in Johnson Bayou that morning. It's cold, and it's raining, and I didn't want to be there. My wife knows. But I went just to be with him. And then, you know, he's sitting on the edge there, and all these ducks are coming around on his edge. And, and right by the time I could shoot, they're right there. And, and, and it's like they have this big clump of grass, this alligator grass. And I was telling it, you know, and I was like, and I said, brother, why don't you move that grass? He goes, oh, I'll, then they'll see. 
They'll see us. And I go, they won't see you. You got cover all right here. No, no, other people told me that I should move it to. I said, yeah, because when, you sh- when you're going to, sh- you get all the shots. He was missing more than I will. I'll just tell you. But anyway, <laughs> it's true. And let him come on Sunday. I will. I'll tell him. Anyway, the, the ducks are coming this way. And I'm trying to, like, every time I have to shoot, I have to do like this to get one. Because they have grass right here. Because you can't follow through. And finally, I just looked at him. I said, brother, do you know that I love you? He goes, well, yeah, I know you love me, Baba. I said, look at me. I'm going to tell you the truth that no one, everybody else is too scared to tell you. Cut the grass. Cut the grass down before I burn. I mean, you know, I love you, man. Just cut the grass. Quit being a, you know, dipstick. But doing this and this, listen to everybody's trying to help you. And sometimes that's the way it is. There's things that can help us. And sometimes you need a friend to get that junk out of your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got to identify it. You got to share it. You got to say it. It's sometimes the greatest way and the nicest thing you can say is just shake them. Hey, it's like a burning house. You've heard me say it. The nicest and kindest thing you do if you're asleep in there and go, get out of the house. It's not time to be nice. Wake up. Sometimes God brings people in our lives like that. The Bible says, better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Don't let people kiss up to you. People that love you will tell you the truth. Amen? The second thing is, is that there's, two, there's another kind of relationship. It's called the leech-taking relationships. What does that mean? How many of you ever seen a leech? What is a leech? Come on, anybody tell me what a leech is? Sucks the blood out of you, right? They put it on you. They used to use. They still use them in some surgeries. Suck blood and certain things they do. And how many have friends like that? Ooh, you got quiet now. How many have friends who are just like a leech? After spending half the day, you feel like you need to go counseling and you want to drink a beer, even if you haven't been in one in five, 15 years. By the way, I'm not endorsing that. I don't drink, but I'm just saying it makes you feel that way. Can I tell you something about these people? They are not your friends because friends want you. They, they, they want more for you than, than they, wanna, they want from you. Don't let these people on the interior of your life. <laughs> they don't need to be there. You need to be around and surround yourself. See, how many ever, how does a marginalist living affect our relationships? Number one, the people close to you get the worst of you. Okay? How many remember percolators? Okay, anybody over 45 today? Okay. How do you remember percolators? Okay. What did you drink if you got the last cup? Every time you drink that last cup, you want to spit it out. This is how people feel when they're around people that have no margin. It's the per- I mean, my grandmother, she used to pull out the little coffee set, had that little percolator about that tall. You know, you just put it on the, the little fire oven, you know, gas oven, and get that thing, and you see that thing perking. And man, you you didn't. I mean, that she'd pour that in. I remember you look and see. No, everybody was looking to see what the last cup was, because you knew. And sometimes that's how people are in our lives, that are that that are leeches. They takers instead of givers. Are y'all with me? Number two, the people close to closest to you think you just don't care. When you walk a marginless life, Mark says it like this. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and 38. 38 is Jesus, it's the example of Jesus. And evening came. Jesus says to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowd behind. And although there was other boats that followed. I mean, you know, if Jesus was going to the boat, there was other boats probably following him. Okay? But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. 
Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Disciples woke up, woke up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Here's a question. You know what happened? How many of you know what happens when you get exhausted? Even the people close to you think you don't care when you get exhausted. Did Jesus love the disciples, yes or no? Come on, help me out. Yes or no, preach with me. He knew what he was going to face on the other side, so he needed to get some rest. If you know, if you read, when he got to the other side, there was a demoniac waiting there for him. Okay? Devil boy, all right? Naked boy. With chains, first body piercing, he was cutting himself, you know what I mean? All this stuff. You see, your wife will say, you don't care? And you will say, don't care? Wait, 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 wait. What do you think? I'm working so much. Why do you think I'm working? Why do you think I'm so tired all the time? It's for you and for the kids. And the argument pursues. How many are talking about? We live in a culture that constantly tells us you can do it all. You can have it all. You can be it all. The truth is, that's a lie. It's a lie. See, we can learn a lesson from Jesus. It's okay not to be all things to all people all the time by ourselves. Thank you for all those amens. We can learn from him. Number three, the people closest to you have to cover for you. Because all this stuff's coming out because it's marginless. Because people on the outside think everything's good. You know, your daddy, he, he didn't mean that. Uh, he's just exhausted. They didn't mean that. They're just, they're just agitated. I'll just say, husbands, don't make your wife carry your responsibilities. Man, you're built to lead. God designed you to carry much heavier weight than your wife. God called you, listen to me, to be the provider, the protector, and the pastor of your family. That's what you are. The provider. Say it with me. Provider. I'm saying the men. Say it with me. And don't be weak men. We'll go to the TP. Okay? Say it with me. Say provider. I'm to provide. That means I got to get up sometimes. I got to sacrifice. That's part of who I am. I'm the provider. Say protector. Protector. Your wife wants to feel safe, secure, and feel successful. And it's where you have to protect protect her by your words, by your actions. See, it's not just words, but words mean a lot of things. But it's by your actions that you come and pastor your family. That means taking responsibility with your children, doing things with them. Calling your children out, encouraging your children when they're down. It's all of those things. It's learning to pastor them. As a pastor, you know what I'm really like? I'm like a daddy sometimes. Just being a daddy. It doesn't mean I have all the answers. But sometimes I got to learn to listen. Hello. It's kind of like the guy, he goes, hey, uh, you know what? You ever talk to your wife? Oh, God, I talk to my No. All she does is talk, 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 talk. Well, what, what is she saying? I don't know. You know why he doesn't know? Because he didn't take time. See, God didn't derive Eve from your head. Okay? So that you could be smarter than her. God didn't derive her from your foot that you could walk and trample her. God created her to the, place, the closest place to your heart. And it's your ribs. And I always say this in marriages, that she's your prime rib. 
But here's the thing. It's the closest. It's learning to keep your mate close to your heart. So she understands. But that takes time. You have to learn margin. You know what wives want? They just want to know what what you're thinking, guys. Some of you go, oh, she don't want to know what I'm thinking. Well, you haven't put her close to your heart. Well, that means I've got to be like a weenie man. I know how it is in the South. No, it doesn't. It just means you need to be a man. A man doesn't mean you talk rough to your wife. A man doesn't go, you're going to listen to me because I'm the man of the house. You know what? You start being the man of the house, you don't have to advertise that you're the man of the house. When you start having to advertise who you are, then you, you're not all that. You're just trying to speak to yourself. Pastor of your family. You're pastoring them. You love them. Doesn't matter if they're even old. I've learned that. One thing that's hard for me, I'll just be honest, as a daddy, especially when they get older, I want to tell them what to do. You ever feel that way? That's not my position. My position is if they invite me in, then I can. Hello. And that's that's one of the big. That's probably been one of the biggest struggles. I, it's I have to learn to let them invite me in, and when they do, I can share my heart. How you been talking about? And that's what God wants. See, let me just say this. This is what I want to talk to you. We'll wrap this up. There's the family dashboard. The family dashboard is a set of gauges. It's like if you're going to drive a car. There's gauges you got to watch. How many are you talking about? There's certain gauges. I remember some girls that used to be on a ministry team with us, and the, the, and, and the gauge was getting red, you know, the water gauge was getting hot. And, and then literally, they just kept, it kept getting higher and higher, and finally the engine blew up and it caught on fire. And the guy, one of the guys that was a ministry mechanic said, what happened? Why did y'all do that? She goes, well, I really didn't know what it meant. And they call it the idiot light, right? Sometimes there's gauges that show you exactly what's going on on the engine or what's happening. Now, me being not a mechanic, I even asked asked, uh, uh, Stephen Gautreaux this morning, I said, what does RPMs mean? Rounds per minute. I go, thank you, I appreciate that. He goes, you could have Googled it. But I said, yeah, but I got an expert. Just tell me. He said, here it is. Number one is, here's the gauges you have to watch for your family. In order, in order that you drive and you know how things are going to go on your journey through life. If you're going to take a vacation, there's a couple things you need to do. If you're going to do that, it's through journey through your life, journey through your marriage, and journey through your family. And this is what's going to help, okay? Um, is the gauges you must watch. Number one. The speedometer. See the great truths you learn here? The speedometer. This is the pacing question. Are you moving at a healthy pace that you can sustain, or are you running in the red? It's kind of like a guy I heard, you know, he's a heavy man. He went to go weigh himself on the scales, and he goes, and he go, they go, he goes, I'm not overweight. I just need six inches. I just need six inches of height, and then I'm, I'm right at where I need to be. Okay? Are you racing around everywhere? Soccer practice, gymnastics, kids' school, school, job, home, school, church, eat up, get them, come on. You're like the bouncing ball. Never make this pace assessment alone. Guys, Invite your wife or those closest to you or wives, invite your husband to weigh in on your pace. On your pace. I've seen guys, and I've talked to guys, I just don't understand. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, provide, doing all this stuff. Well, yeah, but you're never around. You're there. But you're really not there. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Wives, anybody help me? Y'all scared because your husband's next to you anyway. It's learning to pace yourself. 
The second thing is the rounds per minute. I got like that, RPMs. This, so the first one, the speedometer is the pacing. Am I pacing my, how many ever gone too fast? It's kind of like the doctor I heard that he was driving around uh, Jennings a while back, and he was driving, and he would go to emergencies, and the doctor, you know, the police would try to pull him over, and he'd pull up his stethoscope and go like this, you know, and he'd kind of get away, and then finally one day after he'd done it about three or four times, he was going again, and he just puts his stethoscope, and, and, and the guy, he goes, no, no, like this, and the, the lights are on, and, and the cop goes, pull over, and he goes, no, like this, and then he pulls out his gun, pull over, Because guess what? Just that little badge, come on, means you better stop. I don't care if you have a three, 350 big block engine and you're going 90 miles an hour. You got a cop. I don't care what he or she looks like. If they say stop, they have authority. Am I talking? Are you hearing me? And for many of us, sometimes we need to allow people to come in our lives and say stop. The RPMs is the stress question. How much stress is our current schedule putting on our marriage, our family, and our friends, etc.? Do mom and dad need more time together, or do they need more time alone? Is more time or energy needed with a particular child? I've heard it said, no, no parent is happy is their saddest child. See, to monitor the stress level at your house, or you can usually listen, you know, you can usually listen to the engine if it's a truck or a car by listening to the tone of the conversation taking place if they're stressed. Did you hear me? No, we're not going out. You just listen to what your family engine's like. Hello? If there's a lot of stress, that means the engine ain't running like it needs to. There needs to be some adjustments. Man, y'all getting real quiet on me. The engine ain't sounding too good here this morning. You listen to it. Are people snappy with each other? Are people always on the edge? You know, I, I, I read about a friend that the way his office tried to get his attention <laughs> he was going to work one day, and he got there early like he always did before, and he was going in to bust through the door, and he saw a little light and where kind of where his area, his desk area is. And <laughs> he said, when he opened the door, he looked down, and there was just these wheels. He saw like six wheels on this thing, and it was a blanket over this thing, and he pulled off the blanket, and it was a casket with his picture on it. And all the employees, he'd given it to him. We love you, but if you keep at this pace, we'll be attending this. How many of you think that might get your attention? I remember one time we were in Tacoma, Washington, and we were doing outreach, and we went around, and we, did, we literally got a real casket and a real hearse, and we all dressed up in black. And I had a black Bible, and we were walking around, and we were doing this, and it was like where all the prostitutes and all the bars are right there on I think it's 6th Ave, whatever it was. And we were, we were just like, and they have ladies in their shawl things, you know, with the black. And they, <laughs> they were so good. They were so nice. And people, all the derelicts and all the drunks and all these homeless, all these people are following us. And they're going, oh, man. What? I mean, we're doing a funeral procession right down where all these prostitutes. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And they're like freaking out. Oh, my God. And then I get up. And I get my Bible and I start preaching about life and death. And everybody, there's people wait, watching. And all of a sudden, we open the casket and people go, oh. And then I promise this happened. Then this one guy, we, he look, goes and he looks in the casket and he looks in and he goes, oh. Because inside the casket was a mirror and all he saw was himself. And sometimes... We just live in so much stress. Anybody, come on, I'm in the right church this morning. Who said, Pastor, well, how, what's the balance? Relationship with Jesus is the balance. 
Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. I'm trying to let my tongue bring life this morning because I don't want death to happen to anyone here in this room. I mean, my wife and I, we have one of my son's friends, she just passed away. I know Dawn works with 42 years old, died of a heart attack here in Jennings. I think stress. And one of her daughters was one of the girls that was killed out of the eight. And Nathan's friend's 18, 19 years old. He's already lost a mama and a sister. I'm thinking, wow, I can't imagine the stress and the weight. And I started praying for him this morning. Because I know it's only God that can meet someone that's walked through something like that. Amen? And the last one is called this, the gas gauge. This is a margin question. At the current pace that you're going, will you make it to the end of the week, month, or year? Every family I know is strapped for time and often resources. What keeps you from doing some of the things you keeps you from doing it? Resources. Time. The families that go the distance are the ones that have enough gas in the tank for the long haul. What do you mean by that, Pastor? They, they're, they're consistently and consistently refueling through the weeks. You know, through the through weekly days, they just they realize, hey, man, I got I to gotta get a fill up. And your marriage is getting a date night. Maybe it's daddy dates, vacations, daily spiritual tune-ups to keep the engine running efficiently can i just stop right there because i can say this i've had to learn that because i'm the kind of guy that i don't have to take time off sometimes i feel like i had to learn that and i'm still learning that are you hearing me because when you walk at that kind of pace it takes effect on your marriage and in your children's lives you know, if you want to know exactly how much gas is really in your family or in your marriage tank, look at me. Ask your wife. Guys, she knows. She knows. Got to watch the gauges carefully. Having your car overheat and catch fire is never a good thing. Amen? Saw what that happened the other night, coming back. From Baton Rouge, watching your family overheat and catch fire is even worse. If you keep, if we keep our eye on the family dashboard, our speedometer, how am I, how am I pacing? The RPMs, where's my stress? The gas gauge. Do I have enough to make it? Do I have margin? You know what? I believe this. You'll spend more time on the road for the gospel rather than less time in the ditch looking helpless and burned out and having a burned out engine. Amen? And when all the other friends look at you and they go, man, they should have been looking at the idiot light. They just weren't. And listen, I'm, look at me. I'm not calling you an idiot this morning. Can I just make that very plain and clear? All I'm saying is God puts gauges in our lives. To help us to be more effective in serving him, loving our wives, loving our family. Is, does this speak to anybody here this morning? You see, how many of you want to have an incredible marriage? Anybody? Okay, let, let, I'll start. With, how many of you want to have an incredible marriage? Raise your hand. Okay, if that's what you want. How many of you have a regular date night? Raise your hand. Hey, very few. How about daily time that you connect with your spouse emotionally? Raise your hand. Just, just time. If your practice doesn't match your priority, look at me. If your practice doesn't match your priority, then it's just a pipe dream. Listen, 
I know people, and let me just talk to the guys here. I need to make it loud. Because we don't listen sometimes. I know guys that spend more time on their trucks, their shotguns, and their fishing poles, and their bass boats. Come on, ladies, I'm trying. Y'all, none of y'all helping me. Than they do on the most precious thing and the greatest gift that God's given them is their wives. You see, if you are married, you need to ask your spouse, what is the one thing I can do for the rest of the week that will relieve stress from your life? Marriage is not so much finding the right person as it is being the right person. See, I used to think, well, when I find the right person, then all, everything I need, everything I want. But it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. Amen? How many of you know marriage reveals a lot of things in life? It reveals the good, the bad, and the doggone ugly. And sometimes marriage just brings it out. But the incredible thing is, is that, you know what, when you say, God, that's why having a relationship with Jesus is so important, is that, that you can allow him to filter your mind, your heart, your expectations, your disappointments, because we're all going to have them. And I didn't forget, if you're single, you need to examine the health of your life. And your relationships. Are, relation, are your relationships shallow or deep? Can I just say this? When I, got, when I got saved, I began to realize how shallow some of the relations I had with people were. And I ended up finding out that I had less than a handful of real, true, genuine friends that would tell me the truth. Instead of give me something I just wanted to hear. That's what always attracted me about my wife. When she has a relationship with someone, it's always a deep relationship. Gets to know I'm more your surface kind of guy. Hey, how you doing? You know, I'm kind of like the dog wags his tail all the time. But I just believe this. God's calling us to allow people to get close to us. And we've got to look at these gauges in our lives. And even Jesus saw that because he knew that in our lives that sometimes we need to get to the other side. But there's there's gauges that we need to practice to get to the other side, healthy, in our right mind, refreshed, renewed by the spirit of God. Amen. You know, this morning I'm calling on the Lord. I'm counting on him. I have to put hope in this word. Hope in his presence. He knows every need that I have and every need that you have this morning. So this morning, would you just rise to your feet this morning? I want to do something different. Find someone on your row that's next to you. If you have to go down a little bit, just grab hands with them, please. what I want you to do I want you to pray for that person on the right of you just under your breath we're going to do that in just a minute before you do that why don't you ask the person on your right and on your left their name so you know who they are go ahead and do that if you don't so you met someone new maybe or you met someone old and they've been waiting for you to listen you to pray. Let's just close our eyes and just pray. Pray for that person on the right. Ask the Lord just to bless them. They may have got here, they're rushed, they're exhausted, they're living beyond their limits, and they just need that margin in their life. They want to grow, they want to thrive in their relationship. Just pray that that would happen for them. Just pray that, that they would thrive, they would grow. 
pray. And whatever's on your heart for them, if you feel like the Holy Spirit's just telling you to pray for them for other things, just pray for them right now, where they're at. Now pray for that person on your left. Pray the same thing. Pray that God would touch them. They may be stressed. They may be overloaded with work and information and debt. And they just need, they need to find that rest uh, in the Lord. They need to... They, they just need to come to that place where God refreshes them, where they can thrive and they can grow and have margin in their life. And, and Lord, we just pray for them. Father, I pray for every person that's here right now. Lord, you know everything that's needed in their lives. Lord, I thank you that they're here this morning. I thank you, God, for your word. You promised that your word would never return without having an effect on our hearts and in our lives. And, Father, I thank you that you want us to go to the other side, that we don't just stay on one shore, but, God, you're wanting us to grow and to see great things happen. I pray for every marriage, God, that it would be a marriage that would thrive, that would grow, that would be life-giving, life-encouraging, and their mates would be strive to be not just looking for the right person, but they would be the right person for their mate. I pray for all the singles this morning. They're, they're thinking, oh, oh God, just, I just want somebody. I just need somebody that be God. I pray that God right now, before as they just think, I pray that you just prepare their heart to be the very person that you've called them to be in you. They can honor you in their relationships. They can honor you with their time. They can honor you in other and with their friends and choices. Lord, I pray right now. I pray that God that you would just give us margin in our lives. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that, God, that you speak to us, that you refresh us and renew us. Help us to pace. Help us to watch the stress. There's so many things that can bring that on. Lord, I just pray that you would come and refresh and renew each person here today. In the mighty name of Jesus, refresh and renew. Restore what the enemies rob. You said that you would just give back 10 times what the enemy has robbed. I pray for those that are walking in a new relationship with you. Or those maybe here this morning just saying, I need the Lord. If that's you, just, just pray this with me this morning. You know who you are. Say, Lord, forgive me for going my own way. I want to know you. I want to love you. Come into my heart. Forgive me for all the things that I've done. Help me to love you and do the right thing to be good. Just to try to be good. Try to be generous. Try to help. I pray that for you this morning. In Jesus' name.